session with Dr. Farid Holakou. Good evening. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Hulakwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, usually Mondays I do a book of the week, but tonight I'm very happy to be joined by a very... Uh, well-known on this show, especially psychologist, Dr. Jennifer Galvin. Anyone who's listened to the show has heard her on the air with me several times and very very happy to have her on the show to talk about toxic positivity, a topic that I think is very important I've talked about on the show, but she's recently written an article about it that you can find online. But before I bring her on, let me tell you a bit about her. Dr. Jennifer Galvin is a licensed clinical psychologist in private practice. Her office is in Calabasas. She received her bachelor's degree from San Diego State University, where she majored in psychology, and she later earned her master's degree and her PhD in clinical psychology from Alliant International University. We were actually classmates there together. She also obtained advanced clinical training in psychoanalytic psychotherapy at the New Center for Psychoanalysis, where she earned a certificate in psychoanalytic psychotherapy. And also, actually, she is currently expanding her office and looking for licensed psychologists that could work with her. So if you're interested, um, we can give her number at the end of the show. I just realize I don't have it on me right now. So I'll make sure to give that to you. But if you are or know someone who's a licensed psychologist, you could um, join her practice. Dr. Jennifer Galvin, thank you for joining me tonight. Hello. Of course. It's my pleasure to be here. And like you mentioned, a really topic that I'm really passionate about. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important for us to discuss. So, and it's been a long time because yeah. of the pandemic. That's right. So I'm very happy to be here. I am too. I'm just feeling so positive about this topic <laughs> that we're going to talk about. That's obviously half joking. I do feel positive, but that's really our focus tonight is on toxic positivity, which I've now heard it for a few years, but especially I think for a lot of people, it could sound strange because positivity sounds so good, mm -hmm. toxic sounds so bad, and right. it's how does that go together? So right. maybe you can start us off by telling us what toxic positivity is. Yeah, and, and just before I get started, I think it's definitely not at all about not being positive mm -hmm. at all or being excited about things, but that sometimes it can get to an exaggerated level and like anything that's exaggerated, it can become toxic and unhealthy. Mm -hmm. So toxic positivity is really when you're feeling there's pressure around staying positive all the time. So especially staying positive during difficult times of life. So we all experience difficult times. Um, we go through hard things. And oftentimes, I think, when we are around other people who may potentially be behaving in a toxically positive way, um, we're left feeling inadequate um, for not being able to maintain this positive attitude all the time. Mm -hmm. So that's the essence of what toxic positivity is, that one should maintain a positive mindset all the time, regardless of how horrible the situation is or what they're experiencing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's there's things 
that people we say to each other, stay positive, look on the bright side, things will get better. Um, we were discussing a little bit before the show about how you see this culture a lot around us now um, in specific um places you know I know I see it a lot like in yoga studios or in cycling places where there's like sweatshirts and stickers on the wall that says um, positive vibes only or delete negativity Um, Mm -hmm. so you know we see it all around us and I think it's become part of our culture to try to always maintain this positive attitude and it's unrealistic Mm -hmm. and it's ineffective because it's unrealistic yeah, and that's that's the thing. You know, it's not that we're obviously uh, against being positive or being happy or feeling good. As you were saying, it's you know, it's when it gets to this level that it's the only thing you're allowed to feel or supposed to feel. So uh, sometimes when you talk about these topics, it could seem like we're saying we want people to be sad or we want them not to mm-hmm. feel good, and that's not, not the, the case, case at all. Right. We just want people to have a genuine, authentic human experience which we know will include all of the feelings. Sometimes you will feel good, but definitely sometimes we're going to feel bad and that we want to be in touch and have the space both internally and for ourselves to express it and experience it and with our loved ones and people around us to be able to share when we're not feeling good. But when we get to this toxic positivity, it's science could, like you said, deleting it. It's almost right. like there's no more space for those feelings. Right. And, and I think that... Um it becomes difficult when you're not, it's not just about experiencing the range of authentic emotion, human emotions. It's mm-hmm. also pers- more personal. Yeah. So some people may be more sensitive to, um, you know, a her- horrific situation and may have more negative feelings around that, whereas someone else may not. So it also can be personalized and, and tuning into yourself and your own feelings and really leaving room for whatever comes up inside of you to exist and be genuine there for you. Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes when people shift into toxic positivity, it's really for two reasons. One is Oftentimes, they're really trying to be helpful. Mm -hmm, Um, And mm -hmm. I think that's an important piece that we shouldn't overlook because it's not that they're trying to be dismissive intentionally. Um, It's really that they think it'll make the other person feel better or forget about it or focus on something else. Um, It also, though, I think brings up feelings inside of the person that's receiving it. Mm -hmm. And so if you see somebody that you care about, um, really struggling and crying and being upset because they just got broken up with or they failed an important exam. Um, it's difficult to tolerate that. And I think it's difficult to sit in front of someone and be with someone that you care about and watch them suffer. And so not only do we want to help them ease their pain, but we also want to ease our own pain or avoid having to deal with their pain. Mm-hmm. And so it's just easier to shove it all under this category of, being positive and focusing on all the things that we should be grateful for and all the good things in life. Yeah. Yeah. And as you said, um, people almost always have very good intentions when they are practicing or, you know, being toxically positive. Uh, And it's like when people tell someone stop crying and we think, well, it sounds good. And usually it seems nice, but usually it's because them crying makes you feel not good. So you're like, I want you to stop crying. So the reason why I think this topic is so important is because it is so deceptively attractive in the sense that it sounds so good. Be positive, feel good. Like those aren't negative things. Obviously they sound very positive. And so we can sometimes 
not be aware of how it can be harmful when it's not used appropriately or when it becomes the only thing we can feel. And I always think it's important to look at our feelings as information, right? Mm -hmm. It's telling you something, right? right? Exactly. And so if we're only hearing or only let ourselves or think it's okay to hear some of the messages when they're good, you're going to miss so much information about what you're experiencing. And, you know, it's funny as you can, well, maybe not funny, but because of toxic positivity, you might stay in a toxic relationship because you're saying, I only want to feel good in it. No, but there's, there's bright sides and I don't want to look at the negative side. So I'm only seeing the good. So this is where we can see in an example like that, that toxic positivity, as we mentioned, it's not that we don't want you to feel good, but it's realizing that we don't allow ourselves to feel genuinely what we're experiencing. We could actually end up hurting ourselves or not realizing something we're experiencing is very harmful to us. And that message is good, just like physical pain. Oh, this hurts. I should be aware of what's hurting me and and make a change. And I think in addition to that, um, you know, it's, it's also, it's, it's important for us to realize that we use a lot of energy psychic energy trying to push these negative feelings away Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. to guard against them and so sometimes i think you know therapy is a perfect example sometimes when you start therapy you feel worse than you did to begin with or it's really challenging emotionally because a lot of dark feelings and negative feelings come up but eventually it leaves you in a place where you have so much more capacity Mm -hmm. because it's almost like a release of all of that and now there's room for it whereas when we're avoiding these things and we're trying not to feel negative, trying not to feel anything dark or even show that to anyone else. It, it, you use a lot of your internal mm-hmm. energy for that. So you're actually more limited in your ability to be present, in your ability to be creative, to be productive. So I think that's another really important piece to consider in this yeah. process. Yeah, it does take, I mean, to actively in that way, like suppress pushing our feelings down even sometimes we're not aware of it but it does take an energy and suck something out of us that that we might not be aware of right and and, you know there's there's a lot of unfortunate things that can come with being exposed to toxic positivity and just riding along what you were saying it's it sometimes can leave people really alone and isolated because when you're surrounded by people who are constantly pushing for this version of toxic positivity yeah. it, it feels very lonely mm-hmm. like you're am I the only one that has these negative feelings am I the only one that feels upset maybe something's wrong with me because I can't maintain this positive mm-hmm. mindset mm-hmm. all the time um, you know I have to reprogram my brain to always focus on the positive and so it creates further darkness within, further yeah. pain and suffering within, because now you feel alone. You feel guilty for feeling like the genuine feelings that come up from within. Mm-hmm. You feel weak potentially for not being able to adopt these positive perspectives all of the time. Um, you know, I think a lot of times people feel ashamed or they feel blamed. And so they really just hold, either hold it inside and they don't share it with anyone because they don't want to be judged um, or they criticize themselves for it. Or even worse, maybe they're just in complete mm-hmm. denial or disconnect from it unconsciously without even realizing that they pushed it to the side. So, you know, it, it really leaves people feeling invalidated and dismissed and not seen for their, the whole person that they are. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you kept, you were saying or, and a lot of times it's and, it's like all of those right, things, right? right. It's kind of like all of the above. feel bad about myself. And um, 
<clears throat> it can make people feel like, well, if I'm sad, I shouldn't be around anyone. And that's actually when we need each other and could benefit mm-hmm. from each other the most. It's kind of a heartbreaking thing. But if we promote this ideal that you should always be in a good mood, even people will say, like, who wants to be around someone sad or who wants to right. be around someone who's in a bad mood? And so we feel like we should hide it. We either should pretend like it's not there or when we feel it, totally isolate mm-hmm. and pretend sadly, to be someone that we're not. Exactly. And depression already has this tendency to make us want to withdraw. So it further reinforces that type of way of coping with it, which is really unhealthy. So it, it really uh, reinforces some of these negative things that we can go towards. And, you know, even I hear this a lot with families, you know, you see it and, and we can see how toxic positivity can start with kids at a young age of, oh, look at this child. She's always happy. Right. She never gets sad. She never cries. She mm-hmm. ne- and the kid mm-hmm. is hearing this and praising. And then, you know, even a frustration with the other kid who does get upset. Mm-hmm. And I've seen so many families with multiple kids where they'll tell me, I'm not worried about this kid. Oh, she's so good. She, it's my son that I'm worried about because he gets sad. And sometimes I have to bring to their attention, you might have to be more worried about your daughter that's mm-hmm. not telling you she's upset because she's it's probably unnatural. holding a lot in. Right. And you're praising her for never being sad. And unfortunately, that's teaching her the wrong things because... Because very sadly for me, it's heartbreaking because we know that girl in this example I'm using does get sad. The only thing she can conclude is something is wrong with me. I'm not lovable. Right. I, and she doesn't feel safe to express that exactly. for some reason. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, without acknowledging and processing negative emotions, ultimately we suppress them. Mm-hmm. We have to find a place to put them away. We put them in a box. We put them away somewhere. And then that potentially leads to other problems. So, mm-hmm. you know, like you mentioned, depression, anxiety, difficulty with sleep, appetite, substance abuse, mm-hmm. stress. I mean, Physical the list goes on, right? Come out. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about somatizing, which is like when you express emotional pain that's been held in in a physical way. Actually, we, we went to school together. My dissertation was on that topic and looking at Iranian Americans and how much they do that. Um, so yeah, it, it comes out in some way, you know, it doesn't disappear. Our hope is we're going to just be positive and somehow the negative disappears, but it doesn't go away. And there's a beauty in that, I believe, because like you mentioned earlier, the emotions are there to send messages. And if you can't hear them and acknowledge and process them, they will keep advocating for themselves Mm -hmm. and they'll push through in other ways, whether that's through your body, um, through an emotional experience, through substance abuse, but it does come out in one way, shape or form. And so it's really important to be able to integrate both versions, to have the good and the bad, the light and the darkness and the positive and the negative, not only because that's what's natural and authentic to oneself, but it also creates room for others to have the same experience to think, okay, this is a normalized event. It's okay to feel upset about Mm -hmm. this because my friend also said they feel upset about this, or it's okay for me to cry right now because this is appropriate and this is what I'm feeling. So it really brings people together and it creates more connection and unity and support, which is very important. Yeah. And I think, you know, that last point of the connection, of course, when we have a good time with people, that feels really good. And there's a lot of bonding that happens there. But when you Look at the deeper emotional intimacy that usually gets formed with people. It's almost always when we share the more negative, painful right. things with someone. You know, when you think Make of who you're closest vulnerable. with. Exactly. It's someone you've probably cried in front of or shared some of your weaknesses or insecurities in front of. It's not someone who you always showed a good face to. And so we miss a lot when we think we should not have these parts that are very human, very normal, even beautiful, as you said, in some yeah. ways. And, and sadly, we, you know, we do... Um, 
reinforce some of these things in the ways we act and the ways we talk to one another. So there's so much to talk about on this this topic of toxic positivity, um, even things about gratitude and how that can play a role or how we can understand that in this conversation. So again, my guest tonight is psychologist Dr. Jennifer Galvin. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm joined again tonight by psychologist Dr. Jennifer Galvin, and we're talking about toxic positivity. Again, it sounds kind of like an oxymoron because toxic sounds bad. Positive obviously sounds good. But really another way we can look at this or it brings up this concept for me that nothing really is all good or all bad or no characteristic is all good or all bad. Um, even, you know, we might think being selfish sounds bad, but there could be moments where actually being selfish or some aspects of it can be good. Right. Positivity is obviously not bad, but too much of it, even like, you know, we have water here in front of us. Water sounds very good, but if you have too much water, it actually can be harmful. So that's what we're looking at is when tox- uh, positivity can be um, too much or in a way it takes the space of everything where it doesn't allow for us to have a healthy relationship with our emotions. And uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think in, in another way of describing it, it's almost used as a defense, right? Yeah. So it's protecting us from having to look at anything that is opposite of positive, mm-hmm. um, anything that makes us not feel good, anything anything that we don't want to see. So it def- it helps you defend against some version of reality that potentially mm-hmm. is going mm-hmm. on. And I think just as a, as a side note, even saying things like it is what it is, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it doesn't sound like that's necessarily such a positive statement. It sounds fairly neutral, but even that can become a version yeah. of toxic positivity where you're brushing off the things that are bothering you and you're replacing it with this generalized neutral statement of it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Or it could be, and, and so as you can say it to yourself or someone might be telling, and there's, two, you know, it could be said in a very like, this is the reality, let's look at it. But sometimes it's presented as a, well, that's the reality, so you shouldn't be sad about it. Because right. if this is what it is, it is what it is, get Accept over it. Accept it with no emotion exactly, or yeah. only positive emotion. And when I, you know, you brought up something really uh, interesting and you mentioned about therapy last segment. Another paradox, I think, that for me, it might sound like a paradox, is one of the biggest signs of mental health, in my opinion, is our tolerance for negative emotions and states that don't feel good which again sounds counterintuitive like no we're supposed to feel good we should be happy but if you can't tolerate negative feelings it's very difficult to face life face relationships face yourself mm-hmm. in a healthy way Absolutely. because then as soon as you feel something better i have to get rid of it so even toxic positivity is almost like trying to pretend like they're not even there to begin with so i can't even feel them and when you said therapy and how people sometimes stop going it reminded me of sometimes when i think of negative feelings for a lot of people, or maybe for all of us, it almost feels like you're dunking your head underwater. And so you can feel this with some people and then some clients in therapy. It's like they want to just swim back to the surface to get some Mm -hmm. air because it feels like torture to be Mm -hmm. underwater Mm -hmm. that way. And so they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's a relief in the moment, but they're avoiding something really meaningful. And so if we can shift to recognizing, and I think this is where some of the principles of Buddhism and meditation of non-judgmental awareness of let me just notice my feelings, not try to judge them or change them can be really powerful so that we can embrace and be okay with what's there. If it's good or bad, we won't 
judge that part first. And I know? think also becoming observant of the imbalance. So if you're looking at it in a non-judgmental mm-hmm. way, you may see objectively the darkness creeping up on you or you have to keep turning in, in a different direction to avoid it. And so you can get a sense as to where your emotional equilibrium lies. Mm-hmm. And it's always going to be this push and pull back and forth to be able to find the balance in between. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is where that tolerance is important because uh, first it's a personal thing. So can I tolerate my own negative feelings? That's going to affect facing them, how I cope with them. And then because of that, it goes back to what we talked about in the previous segment, tolerating someone else's negative feelings. Mm. Because if I don't feel good as soon as I feel sad, one, if you feel sad, it makes me feel bad and I'm going to freak out. And two, I'm imagining how bad you're feeling because right. I know I think sad feelings are so bad. So I freak out. And you see this, for example, with parents, right? They see their child. And of course, you care about them. You want them to feel good. But because you have a hard time tolerating it, you try to get rid of their feeling either by telling them they're not sad and it's okay, quickly giving them something to take away the feeling. And so here's where we're talking about, of course, we want your child to feel good. We can get that. But we want you to acknowledge and give them the space to feel that because if you don't, you're going to take away something really important. Just like if they were sick, it's not that you want your child to be sick, let's say if they have a cold, but if you pretend like they're not, you're actually going to hurt them more than acknowledging they don't feel well. Right. I mean, I remember growing up, I probably saw my father cry less than a handful of times my whole life Mm. and not that there's anything wrong with that but it was really overwhelming and scary for me when i did see him cry Um, and it's interesting because now i have three children of my own and i'm very open with my emotions around them and so if i'm upset and crying and they see that i'm crying and they say mommy are you sad are you crying i say yeah i'm sad and Mm -hmm. i tell them why i'm feeling sad and I normalize it for them. So it's okay. You know, I'm just feeling sad right now and I'm going to cry and I'm going to leave room for myself to feel this way and everything will be okay because mm-hmm. this is part of life too. And it's okay to feel this way. So I'm, I'm trying to offer them a different perspective that I hope will leave room for them to understand that it's okay. These feelings come and go. Mm-hmm. Mommy's still okay. She survived this and to build, like you were saying, this distress tolerance little by little so that they can deal with these things that will come up throughout life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I like to think of a crisis, but changing that first I to a Y. And for a lot of people, when someone's crying, it's like this crisis, like an emergency. We have to do anything to like save them or save ourselves from getting away from that. Yeah. And so when we look at it that way, that someone's crying, it's a disaster. And as you said, if we've never seen someone cry or if it's like treated that way in our family, then it becomes like this thing to get rid of. It's so bad where we can just recognize it's part of life. And yeah, it might not feel good in the moment, but as you said, you're going to be okay. The feeling is going to pass. Then we can deal with life a lot more directly and confront it as it is, and also deal with ourselves and our relationships that way too. Uh, I mentioned before the break. Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up is that the topic of gratitude that you brought up before the break. And I think, you know, especially in the Persian culture, Mm -hmm. at least my personal experience has been one in which oftentimes we use gratitude in addition to this toxic positive version where it's it's as though only one can exist if you are grateful for the things that you have in your life then there's no room for anything aside from that so there's no room for complaints there's no room for pain there's no room for distress because you should be grateful for all of the great things that are going on in your life. Yep, exactly. I've seen that going back to the the therapy dynamics. This happens a lot with 
people when they start talking about their parents. And so a lot of times with our parents, we want to have this feeling, no, they were good. I don't want to say anything bad about them. I should be grateful. People have it worse. And so I've seen it. And it reminds me again of this way of like dipping our heads underwater and then like they come back up. It's like, you know, yeah, my mom or my dad did this and it really hurt. And then you feel them like, no, no, but they were okay. They were so good and I should be grateful and people have it way worse. And you can just feel like it's so hard to tolerate that. And so I try to get them to see that I'm sure your parents as pretty much all parents tried Both their best. Both of those are real. Yeah, they love you. They tried their best. But nonetheless, even in trying their best, you still got hurt not because they wanted to hurt you, but that's just life and how things go. And so, yeah, you both can be real. You can be so grateful for all the good that they genuinely did do. Yes. But also you were still hurt and those wounds don't go away just because you don't, you know, they loved you or just because they other were good people. Other people have it worse. Ex or other people have it worse. And the, yeah, the other people have it worse. Sometimes I, you know, will tell people if you break your leg and go to the hospital and the doctor comes in, won't be like, oh, the person next door broke both legs, so get out of here. They're like, no, your leg hurts. Let's attend to your pain. Your pain is real and deserves to be taken care of. But yeah, this incompatibil incompatibility that we think if we're grateful, we can't be hurt by that same person. And I think that true. dynamic also provokes a lot of guilt, yeah. whether it's conscious or unconscious, because then you're left feeling as though you're ungrateful, or sometimes there's the fear God will take things away from you because you're being ungrateful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it makes you feel almost guilty or ashamed for even having these other feelings yeah. when you're focus should really be on all the things that are going right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and again, I, I just want to mention, there's nothing wrong with focusing on all the things that are going right. Sure. It's just the, when it becomes dramatic, when it mm -hmm. become, when it over exaggerates and it takes up all of the room. So, you know, I think a good uh, analogy that I like to use is if there's t 10 seats at the table, we want to leave a seat for all of the emotions. So when you take up one of, when positivity takes up all the seats at the table, then there's no room for all the other emotions. So where do they go? They yeah. get stifled inside. And like we mentioned, they come out one way or another through substance abuse, sleep problems, appetite problems, somaticized health problems, right? Mm -hmm. Relationship problems, mm -hmm. isolation. I mean, there's a list of them. Yeah. So every emotion, every feeling has to have a seat at the table. It doesn't always have to have all of the attention or the spotlight, but there needs to be room for them to exist. So it's okay to focus on the positive and it's great to be grateful for those things, mm -hmm. but that doesn't take the place of right. the deficits. Or it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make it so the, the negative can't be there. And actually, as you're bringing that up, we can also mention there can be toxic negativity too, uh, not having all the seats at the table. Some people you know, there can be a tendency to stay in the negative because maybe that's safer for them in some ways or, you know, because they maybe want to still be hurt by something or there can even be a narcissism. We usually think of narcissism as I'm so great. I'm so amazing. But sometimes there can be like a victimhood narcissism, like no one's had it harder than me. Nothing bad has ever happened in my, you know, nothing good has ever happened in my life. The people around me were never good to me. And that could be giving us something that when you're talking about the seats at the table, we do want to make sure there's seats for everything, including the positive. So we're not trying to promote negativity, but we're trying to just make sure there's a genuine relationship with what we're going through. And as you said, I think it's a great analogy. There's a seat at the table for whatever whatever feeling is showing up can have a seat. It's not that only some things can you know have that seat. And that's what we're trying to, to promote. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you can be grateful. And when you are grateful you tend to notice those things and that can be good, but it's also allowing for the space that maybe something not so positive can be there as well. And that's that's okay. We can allow for those things and, and accept that. Um, so 
as we mentioned, we're not trying to, you know, I, I think when I talk to people about, let's say, crying or sharing their feelings, it almost seems like we're trying to make them sad. But what we're saying is that we know that the tendency is to push towards the positives. So we're wanting to make sure there's space for those sad feelings or, you know, those not so good things. We were talking before the, uh, you know, the show that you're moving your office and it's a, it's a right. overall a positive thing and you're excited and it's good for you in a lot of ways, but it's not purely good. It has some stressors and things that come with it. Right. And I, the conversation we were having was about all of the excitement and how mm -hmm. positive this whole experiences and moving into a new office of my own and I mentioned there all of that is true and all of that exists and I celebrate all of that but there is also alongside of that a grief and a sadness mm -hmm. for the loss right for the peace that's left behind for the old office for that experience and both of those things can exist at the same time so while I have moments of grief and sadness for leaving that office I also have excitement and positivity for the future of the new office so I thought that was a great example yeah. mm -hmm. of you know how both of those feelings can exist and they also fluctuate and they vary and they come and go in different ways and I just let them come and go as they do mm -hmm. and acknowledge them yeah and I think that's you know, actually, when you're saying that, it's making me think of making decisions. And if we think of things have to be like all good, then if we're making a decision, we have some bad feelings that come with it. If we have that mindset, we, we could think, oh, then I shouldn't do this thing because some of the things don't feel good about it. But when you recognize that almost any good change is going to come with some anxieties and even some things you have to let go of or might even not feel good about, then we could see that even going into something that is really good for us might have some things that we don't like, but it doesn't mean it's bad. So mm. again, when we allow the space for all the feelings, we can make a more comprehensive type of a decision where we're looking at different factors but even like for example people want to get married and they might think well it should just feel good because i want to feel good but these things about my potential partner might make me a little anxious and you want to look at those so it's about integrating it but not thinking well if there's anything bad it means this thing is bad so we can see how black and white thinking plays a part here and too. i do think that relationships are a huge area in which we do this especially mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we fear the judgment of others or we want to present in a certain fashion and so oftentimes people will speak of their relationships in an all only positive way everything's great everything's wonderful they're perfect you know things are going so smoothly and uh, again all of that's great but the moment you stop and you bring in some of the authentic negativity or mm -hmm. darkness or pain you start to see other people crack open in the same way it's yes. almost like you create a safety net for others to be able to have a genuine experience mm -hmm. with you and I've have had this done personally and professionally where I've seen the moment I open up and make myself vulnerable to some of the more negative things that are going on in my life those around me kind of drop down their walls and they start sharing the same types of things that are go they're going through yeah. and in that space we not only get closer and connect but we're supporting each other and I think you know one of the things I wanted to mention earlier before the break was how sometimes holding on to the negative emotion almost feels like a possession right the negative emotion mm -hmm. possesses you and you can't let it out if you mm -hmm. let it out mm -hmm. then you'll get judged or you'll yep. be ashamed or, you know, something's wrong with you. And so, and it's not that way. It's actually the opposite. The moment you share that with someone, you become unpossessed mm -hmm. and you make room for others to become unpossessed because it's yeah. now safe. Somebody else is in on this. Somebody is with me. Somebody is supporting me. Whereas when we struggle alone in these ways, that negativity, the depression, the anger, the darkness 
it grabs hold of us and it keeps us in a very isolated, lonely space where we think it's only us. Something's wrong with us. We're inadequate. There's a problem. Yep. And, you know, there's that kind of classic line of what you resist persists. And so, as you said, actually, we're afraid that we're going to get consumed by the negative feeling if we share it. But it's usually quite the opposite. By expressing it, we allow, we allow ourselves to release it much right. more. Uh, quickly. So we're going to our last commercial break. Again, my guest tonight is psychologist Dr. Jennifer Galvin, and we're talking about toxic positivity. We'll be right back. Welcome back again, my guest tonight, Dr. Jennifer Galvin. We're talking about toxic positivity, and we've talked about different signs and different aspects of it, but uh, and different ways to deal with it or what we would recommend. But as I mentioned, you I've written a recent article people can find online that I can share on my social media. Um, but maybe you can give us some ways to deal with toxic positivity. Yeah, so I think starting with normalizing negative feelings. Mm-hmm. And that's not just a isolated behavior in the moment. It's just in general, like we talked about earlier, about how you can just allow the feelings to come up wherever there's a sad movie it's okay to cry somebody tells a sad story and they express their feelings to leave room for that so just on the spectrum um, allowing negative feelings to be a normal part of life so Mm -hmm. it doesn't become something really overwhelming and scary like oh my god I just saw my parent cry for the first time in my whole life Um, not only is it normal to have the negative feelings at times but it's also the appropriate response to have and I think that's the healthy way of of being mm-hmm. yeah if you it's like if you uh you know someone punches your arm and you say ow it's not like no you should be positive it's like no that makes sense that that hurts so sometimes things in life it actually is healthy and it makes sense for it to hurt i remember we talked uh earlier about this about you know i should always be happy but you know uh, or be grateful but if you stub your toe it's going to hurt and it makes sense that it hurts even if your life is good and you feel good overall you can be in pain in the moment so yeah normalizing negative feelings is very important and i think like i said i think that can be in a personal or impersonal way i mean we see feelings in all different parts of life you know we see feelings expressed through media through social media through our personal experiences Mm -hmm. so there's always an opportunity to just normalize it and allow both the positive and the negative feelings to have a seat at the table yeah so your first one was normalize negative feelings Um, what's next Um, another way would be to avoid suppressing feelings in general so the more we avoid how we are genuinely feeling the more our feelings become intensified so it's like when you think don't think of an elephant So then everybody's going to think of an elephant, Mm -hmm. right? So it's the same thing with our feelings. The more you try to push them away and make them go away, the louder they will yell at you. And like we mentioned earlier, if you don't hear them, they will find a way to show up, whether that's through your body or another way. Um, we, We have to allow our feelings to have space to exist to process them and to allow them to move through us. Mm-hmm. So something you have to visualize it almost like it comes it, it hangs out for a while and then it flushes out. Yeah. There's a lot of analogies like waves and, you know, they come and they go and you can't 
make one stay or you can't push one away uh, or clouds you know you can't really control them but they, you know they're not going to be there forever so and they make sense these things obviously go together so if we normalize the negative feelings it can make it easier to avoid suppressing them because you feel more right. okay with them um, so those were the first two ways that you have for dealing and with and it's about being conscious of it right. so being conscious of the negative feeling and then to allow room for it to exist so sometimes you know we talked about this also earlier where there has to be um, you know, room for you to build your distress tolerance. So maybe, you know, some things that I work on with clients and therapy is, okay, well, let's just sit with that feeling for five minutes. Mm. And then in five minutes, you can do exactly what you were doing before. Yeah. Just put it away. Don't think about it. Mm -hmm. Avoid it. Whatever you need to do. And then the next time it's okay, let's sit with that for 10 minutes. So we start to build the capacity to be able to sit with the distress and allow the feelings to come up. So there's many layers to it. Right. I think first it's just being conscious of the feeling, allowing it to come up, and then to leave room for it to exist, to process, and then move through. Yeah. Um, and any kind of tolerance, like, you know, it, it's on the way you said it, uh, I think that's great what you're saying. A build, it's okay, just five minutes, you know, it's not going to be forever, it's not going to be a long time. And you can even, sometimes even with clients, you know, you, I don't know if you've done this, but you kind of say you can still cope with it even in the unhealthy way if you feel like you can't stop yourself. So it's not, we're not saying you can't do it, but see if you can put even a little break where you tolerate that feeling. And sometimes they feel that after five minutes, they didn't need the coping that they were mm -hmm. doing because as we've mm -hmm. talked about, it starts to become less the feeling anyway. And part of what the coping is doing is I need to get away from this feeling so fast because it's overwhelming, but it actually feels less overwhelming. And it's our time. imagination. Our imagination yeah. sometimes thinks this big, bad, scary wolf. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then when you see it and you face it, it yep. sometimes isn't as big and scary as we imagined it to be. Yep. So, you know, the more we push these things away, the bigger and scarier they feel as though they, they will be. And mm -hmm. that's not always the case either. Yeah. Um, another way is to just allow a range of emotions to exist. So feelings, we talked about this, feelings don't have to be exclusive. It can be an and, not mm -hmm. an or. It can be both exist at the same time. Moving offices, there's a grief, but there's an excitement. There's a negative, there's a positive. Um, we can feel both of those things simultaneously. Yeah. And, and having a negative feeling does not negate the other positive feelings. Right. Just because you are you stubbed your toe and that hurts doesn't mean you're ungrateful for the rest of your body that's functioning well. Mm -hmm. And you see this happen also, I was thinking as you're saying the positive and the negative and you know like you're saying moving offices things like a breakup you know so if it's, you're in a bad relationship and you break up you still might be sad and miss the person and you might also have some mm -hmm. relief and good feelings you might have both and it's not going to be just one right even leaving a negative relationship is going to also have some negative feelings even though you would think well shouldn't you just and people will say that you should just be happy don't cry and it's that well no i mean it still hurts There's that we're saying goodbye involved. yeah and it's a lot it's it's a complexity of emotions that we're going through so yeah allowing that a, that range even within the same thing i think uh, it's black and white thinking we tend to bring mm -hmm. to a lot of things mm -hmm. or some people can have or it more we than or we expect everything to be all or nothing for us to feel confident in the the actions exactly. that we take. So if there's a feeling still of missing someone or there's some good things, it's sometimes hard for us to be able to cut the cord mm -hmm. and to move in a different direction because we expect it to be either all good or all bad. Yeah. And it doesn't work that way. Like there's a range of emotions yeah. and we have to be able to leave room for all of them to exist, but still make a decision exactly. in that space. Yeah. And that's, I mean, even you'll hear people say that because it's making me think of, it goes back to this toxic positivity. You know, someone breaks up and two weeks later, they're still crying or they cry and the person well if you're sad about it then go back with them and it's yeah. like no I, it still might be the right choice but i might be sad about 
lots of things right. or I'm processing a lot of things, but we're just so, okay, well, if it's making you cry, you shouldn't do it, that we might avoid making the right choice or we might push others or ourselves to go back into something bad just because it's more comfortable and in the moment right. it takes away a negative feeling. And I feeling. think our culture is just so solution yeah. focused. It's just don't feel anything, figure out a solution and then just get over the negative feelings and it it sometimes takes time and it takes room and processing for us to be able to get there. Yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of these are very obvious things too, and they're all connected, like you said, and listening, listening, validating others' feelings. This sounds very simple, but it's probably the most challenging, in my opinion, to really be able to listen. So active listening is an art, mm-hmm. and it's very challenging to be able to hold space for someone and empathize and understand their experience and feelings, even if it's different from your own, even if you wouldn't feel that way, even if you didn't experience yeah. those things. That's really, really really challenging I think to be able to hold that space mm-hmm. yeah a lot of times people think empathy means agreement and I would feel the same way but empathy is an understanding that I can understand how you're feeling or that you feel that way and all of these do go together as you were saying uh, you know to listen and validate others negative feelings it really does mean that you need to be able to tolerate them and be able to have space for them or else it's very hard to listen when you can't tolerate them because you're just like, I want to get away from this as soon as possible. I remember when I first started going to therapy when I was younger, I would tell my therapist, it's so weird. I'd say the same things (laughs) to you that I say to my friends all day, but it feels so Mm -hmm. different in here. And as I got older and understood the process more, I realized that really it was just that safe space, the environment where I was really able to express all of the range of my emotions and experiences Mm -hmm. in a genuine way. And, and have it, it felt responded. safe to do that. And have it responded in a way where, that, like, leaving the space for that. I think that's the funny thing. Some people are like, well, all I did was listen, like a friend or something. Right. And they don't like that so much. Or we might not even want to talk to someone about their problem because we think I have no solution, so I shouldn't just listen because that doesn't help. And it's not that you're going to fix their problem, but a lot of life, we almost never fix people's problems. We can just make their pain less or more bearable bearable. or easier to handle or let them get more calm so that they can make the decision. But so if we put less pressure on ourselves, we can actually be there for others even more because we're not avoiding, I don't know, people say, well, the person's like family member just died. What am I going to do? It's like, you're obviously not, you know, we don't think you're a wizard and you're going to bring the person back to life, but you can just go there and make their pain more bearable so they can get through what they're going through. Yeah, it's not about fixing. It's not about offering solutions. It's not about pulling them out of that negative space. Mm -hmm. It's just about holding the space and offering support and really validating their feelings and allowing them to go through that in a very fluid way. Yeah. And I think, you know, the you said the pulling them out of the darkness. Sometimes, yeah, we put that pressure that, okay, if they're sad, I have to make them happy. And even with parents, my analogy I use is like, look, if your kid is crying, let's imagine it's like they're like frozen. You're not going to make them hot or warm in like a second. But if you're warm... By being with them, they can slowly get back. But sometimes you have this desire to quickly fix something. Okay, you're sad, you have to be happy. It's like, it just doesn't work that way. So, you know, just being there a little bit, maybe you warm them up a little bit. They're still cold, but they mm-hmm. feel better than they mm-hmm. did before. Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes all we can do. And if we say I have to heat them up completely, you might actually hurt them. Like you're throwing them in a microwave, right? And you're like and cooking to them. love them with all of these different yeah. versions yeah. of themselves. And it teaches them to love themselves with all the yes. different versions of themselves. That's such a good point that you brought up. We've, it's come up a few times. It's just something as a person, but as a parent also, make sure you don't give your child the message that, I love you when you're happy and I don't love you when you're 
unhappy or that that makes me so sad or bothers me so much. And, you know, I, we need to be able to contain those, those feelings. We only have a couple minutes left and there's so much I would want to talk about on this topic. I know you in the article came up with uh, or have listed a few, maybe we probably can't do all of them, of things people might say in a toxic positivity yeah. way and some suggestions for what you might say. Right. And I think this is important because I want to leave giving people, the, the audience, some real life examples of what this looks like mm-hmm. as opposed to just us talking about it theoretically. Um, so, you know, some of the things we all hear often, positive vibes only. Okay. So what's a way in which we can say that that won't be toxic toxically positive Mm -hmm. right um i'm here for you both good and bad Mm. that's one example Mm -hmm. um it could be worse yeah um i say this a lot like that really sucks it sucks i'm so sorry you're going through this Mm -hmm. um you know unfortunately i attended a a funeral on saturday Mm. and one of the consistent themes from the person that passed was this exactly that they he was a criminal defense attorney and oftentimes he would consult with his colleagues and just say this is terrible this case is not going well this is going to happen this is going to happen and the best comfort came from him turning and saying man that really sucks Mm -hmm. yes that sounds so hard I, I, I can totally understand how you feel that way. And I'm here with you. And so I thought it was so beautiful because we see, we tend to think that the opposite is true, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, he said, it's going to be fine. Everything's fine. Focus on all the cases that you won. Mm-hmm. And that's not really what makes people feel better because they don't feel seen that way. Right. Yeah. It doesn't feel genuine. It doesn't feel realistic to what they're going through. So we can feel actually we think we're making them feel better, but we don't. And sometimes leaving it as a negative, it sounds even as you say it, I can feel it. There's a sense of it. No, no, but we have to make it feel good. We have to you know push it in a good direction. But just saying, yeah, that that kind of that sucks. Just leaving it at that, you know, um, you know, yeah. Last thought. Go yeah. Ahead. The last the last one is don't think about it. Stay positive. Right. So another way we can address that is describe what you're feeling. I'm listening. I'm here with you. Which goes back to creating and making the space for someone to share exactly. those, those negative feelings. Again, right. so much we could talk about. Uh, Dr. Galvin, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you so much. I did want to mention at the beginning of the show, I, I, I said that she's looking for some uh, new psychologists or psychologists who are licensed. You can call her office number 818 uh, again, Dr. Jennifer Galvin, thank you for joining me tonight. And Amir, thank you f- for being here in the studio as always. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. Have a wonderful night. Mm-hmm.